When a bagel knife mysteriously disappears in a local convenience store, the workers are baffled. Little do they know it's not a simply misplaced item. It's actually proof of the paranormal. And then we travel to Florida to take a look at the story of a small family being terrorized by a large problem. When a little boy is woken up in the middle of the night because there's a monster staring at him through a bedroom window, this family realizes that things are going to get a whole lot worse before they can finally get some rest. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. I am back. My health bar is fully replenished, 100% health. It's in the yellow, boys. If you're a fan of fighting games, that makes sense. And if not, you think I just somehow now have jaundice and my skin is yellow. But someone who never has jaundice, someone who's able to fight off every infection that comes his way, everyone get on your feet and give it up for our newest Patreon supporter, Stay Strapped. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> Come on in, Stay Strapped! Come on in to Dead Rabbit Command. Stay Strapped, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand and really do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Now, the name Stay Strapped, I think, is referring to the slang term for always have a gun on you. Which will come in handy. This episode, if you happen to have a gun with you while listening to this podcast, get it ready. Take that safety off and set it next to you. Because we might need it. We might be shooting randomly as you listen to the podcast. And that that uh, probably generates some buzz for the show. I'm sure the local news would want to cover that story. Stay strapped is bringing out his weapons. I don't know. I assume that's what it means. He could be some leather worker or something like that. He could be like a guy who sharpens razors with leather straps. He's like, what's all this gun stuff, Todd? What what does this have to do with anything? Stay strapped. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command and drive us all the way out to a convenience store. And we're also going back in time, so hit that button. We're going back to one of my top five favorite time periods. The 1990s. We don't have a specific location for the story, but it's the 1990s. We're at this convenience store. And we're going to meet a... This story starts off with a lot of odd questions. From what I understand, the story does take place in America. We're about to meet this young girl. We're going to call her Felicia. She didn't give her real name. She's 14. And she she's working at a convenience store. Um, I know with most places you have to be 16 to have a learner's permit. And the only reason why I bring this up, because I could have just left your age out of it. It doesn't really play a part. But let me say this. It's super interesting to say, if you were making up a story, I don't think you would make up a detail. (laughs) I don't think you would make up an illegal detail like that. Because that is a question, right? What's a 14-year-old girl working at a convenience store? Is that even legal? Her mom worked there as well. I know sometimes there are going to be family arrangements. Or sometimes the owner may just not care. But I find that interesting. It's one of those things that when I read the story, I go, you know what? This story probably is true because it's 
an odd detail to start with. Felicia, she's working at this convenience store. She works a lot of the late night overnight shifts. And a lot of times she's working alone. Like her mom works at the convenience store, but they work different shifts. Felicia, when she's working alone, she'd start to notice things at this convenience store. Sometimes it would feel like someone was poking her from behind. What, huh? She's like trying to like sort out the Funyuns from the Doritos. What, huh? Poke, poke. Oh, man, huh? Mild inconvenience. <laughs> Definitely paranormal because you'd spin around. There'd be nobody there. It's not like I should have said that. It's not like there was a man standing behind her poking her going, Miss, Miss, do you know where the whatchamacallits are? Sometimes, though, like, that that's just annoying. If you have a ghost, that's annoying. Sometimes, though, when she's at the convenience store by herself late at night, she would feel somebody kicking her. Totally different. Totally different sensation and more violent. If someone came up and said, sir, sir, and poked you on the shoulder, you'd be like, huh? If you're standing there and someone kicks you on the shoulder and then go, oh, where are the uh, soup? Where's the soup aisle? You're like, first off, the convenience store doesn't have soup aisle. Secondly, all of a sudden you see two, all of a sudden you see two health bars appear over yours and his head. It's a fight. Felicia would notice sometimes that there would be cold spots in the store, but not by, you know, where all the cold stuff. She's like, wow, this sure is paranormal. She's standing next to the Ben and Jerry's ice cream freezer. She's like, ah, I call the Ghostbusters. The cold spot would move through the convenience store. But what's interesting is she did have a connection. She did make a paranormal connection to the cooler area. Like, that's where you put all the cool stuff. Like sunglasses and leather jackets. Back in the, where they keep all the ice cream is really, I probably should take the story a little more seriously, but I like this story. I'm not bad-mouthing it. Back in the area where they did have all of the coolers, sometimes she would catch a glimpse of a reflection. Not standing in front of her, but standing like the reflection. So, of course, she would turn around, there'd be nobody there. And also, when she was around that area by the coolers, she felt like she was constantly being watched. But the big issue she had, and this went on for a while. This wasn't just like one crazy night. The big issue was a bagel knife. There was a bagel knife that the store had because apparently people would buy bagels there. And you're not going to bring your own knife. If you would, you would have just brought your own bagel and made it at home. People would buy bagels here and probably had like a bagel toaster and all that. There was this knife that they used for bagels called the bagel knife. And it kept disappearing. They couldn't find it. They fully should be standing at the counter and some guy's like, hey, you know, I want to really want to eat this honey raisin bagel or whatever, but I can't find your knife. <laughs> He's like, so I refuse to eat it. He throws it on the ground, stuffs on it. You have it, ants and birds. I'm out of here. Felicia's like, oh, not the bagel knife again. And she'd look around and she'd be like, well, where in the world does this bagel knife keep going to? It keeps disappearing. But then it would reappear somewhere else. And she goes, this just happens all the time. And it wasn't an other employee taking it because I'd be here alone. And I didn't touch it. You could argue, well, Jason, it's a convenience store. I'm sure customers, you know, it's not their stuff. They'll pick up the bagel knife and use it to cut a bagel. And they may set it down on top of a microwave or, you know, 
drop it on the floor, throw it in the garbage can, because they're not really thinking. Yeah, that's true, but how do you account for the roaming invisible cold spots? So she did kind of chalk this up to... All See, the thing is, is like all of these things... It's not like they happened in one night. And I think that you could, if you were in a workplace and you felt a cold spot kind of move past you, you may go, because, you know, we're fans of the paranormal. Even if you don't believe in everything, we still like these stories. You may go, oh, that's weird. That was kind of creepy. But you may not connect that to three days later feeling like someone touched you on the shoulder and then you turn around and there's nobody there. You're not going to go, ah, another piece of the paranormal puzzle. The game is afoot. Because it, 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 we undergo weird sensations all the time. And over a period of time, it's only when you can start to see patterns. And when you go, okay, listen, the bagel knife has appeared and reappeared. It's not like she saw it dematerialize. They just couldn't find it. And then find it later. Like, that was it. And you would just assume that you misplaced it. But over a period of time, you're kind of putting stuff together. And you go, I think something might be going on here i don't know how how any of it's connected the reflection and the bagel knife and the cold spots that's probably the most paranormal thing the kicking and the poking is actually pretty rare in the world of ghosts poking's a little more common kicking's rare that type of violence is rare and it's not like it's not like her knees are getting busted you know backwards or anything like that it's not like jean-claude van damme was assaulting her it's just like a kick not like a violent... So like She's like, I can't go to work today because I got so injured at work. I need to go home early. Not like that. Well, after enough time has passed... Again, you're not going to say this right off because you would just sound like a lunatic. But one day Felicia's talking to her mom and she goes, Hey, you know it's really weird? I, I, it took me a while to kind of figure out what could be going on. I actually still don't know, but... There's a lot of weird stuff going on in that convenience store. Seeing a reflection in the cooler glass and bagel knife keeps disappearing. Some every so often I feel someone kick me from behind, and her mom's just kind of sitting listening to her. And the mom goes, "Uh, yeah, yeah, I've had those experiences as well." And I just thought it was me. I just thought it was me because it's not super. You're not going to go and tell all your coworkers, "Hey guys, guess what." Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes there's a cool spot in the convenience store. You, you know what I mean? Like, but once someone says it, then you start to put this pattern together too. And you're like, I've experienced all that as well. And they start talking to other employees and they said, Oh yeah, I felt that as well. So now it's not a bored teenage girl working illegally at a convenience store. Who's experiencing this multiple witnesses all identifying the same phenomenon. Well, eventually Felicia gets some information and she kind of patches together this story. What she finds out is that shortly before Felicia started working at the convenience store, the owner's son of the store, we'll call him Bill, was working that night. Ding, ling, ling, ding, ling, ling. The doorbell rings as this man runs into this convenience store and he's totally freaking out. And Bill is just, you know, like this is a quiet little convenience store and some dude runs in and you're expecting the worst, like robbery or something like that. Um, probably would have been better than what actually happened. This man runs in and goes, oh my God, there's been a car accident. There's been a horrible car accident. Oh my God, my girlfriend's trapped. I can't get her seatbelt off. I need a knife. Do you have a knife? I need to cut the seatbelt off. 
Bill immediately turns around to grab the nearest knife because he's not really questioning this guy. You just would go, oh, there's been a car accident. You're not going to be like, well, where was it at? You're not going to be like, you're going to want to help. Questions for later. (laughs) Whenever it's really none of your business. But anyways, Bill turns around and grabs the bagel knife to give to this man. And when he turns back, this man is laying on the floor of the convenience store. He collapsed and died. Bill calls the authorities, right? The police rescue crews come out and they do see the car accident. I don't know how close it was, like if it was directly outside the convenience store or I don't know how close it was, but the fire and rescue crews are able to get to the car and then save his girlfriend's life. She is trapped in the wreckage. They can't get the seatbelt off. They're able to save her life. But when they come to the convenience store to take a look at this man who had collapsed on the floor, what they realized, I don't think they realized this at the scene. They probably did an autopsy. But what they realized was that the car accident was so violent that he sustained massive damage to his esophagus. And he just had minutes at max to live. Apparently, this is a thing. This is, again, one of those details that I looked up. I go, are are they just making this up? You can have damage done to your esophagus, and you'll know it. It's not like he was like, and after this, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir auditions. No, like, he felt the pain from it, but the adrenaline would have drowned out, or at least dulled, a lot of that pain. There was no saving him. He was dead no matter what. You couldn't. I mean, I guess maybe if you got there, like, right away, you could probably... Right now, you have an esophageal tear, you're listening to this podcast in your house as you hear an ambulance down the road. You're like, oh, great, the most depressing episode ever, specifically for me. Maybe there's hope, but the point is, is that he died. And you can have this type of damage and continue to walk around. (laughs) I mean, you're not going to be like, oh, five-mile, five-mile jog today after that horrible car accident. You can walk around. But it is, again, it's an interesting detail that's not made up. That is an actual injury that can happen. So I really do believe that this story is possible. And Felicia hears this story, and now everything kind of makes sense. She goes, you have this person in this convenience store who's trapped. That's the reflection I'm seeing in the glass. The cold spots, it's very typical ghost behavior. The kicking and the poking, I mean, really, that's a way to get someone's attention. Uh, The kicking, again, is a little more um, insulting. But imagine if you were trapped here. And we did a story not too long ago about a ghost perception of time. I'll put that episode in the show notes. We don't even know how that works. To them, they could be living minute to minute. They could be existing, probably be a better term. Minute to minute like a human and experiencing each moment like we do. Or time could just be so random and chaotic that they're standing there and then the next thing, it's four days later. There's a totally different employee in front of them and then it's eight days later and it's just like time's jumping. We don't know how time works. We don't even know how time works in the afterlife, let alone how a ghost or spirit could perceive it while still on Earth. But... It would be, what I'm saying is it could be very confusing. It would definitely be angry, alienating. 
you're going to have bad manners. That's kind of what I'm getting at. So poking, just trying to get someone's attention, right? There's probably a lot of screaming ghosts do that we don't really hear. Imagine being in a room full of people and nobody know nobody knows that you're there, but you can perceive them, and we don't understand why they can't see us. So I'm sure there's a lot. I'm sure ghosts scream a lot at the top of their lungs, trying to get someone's attention, and you, we just can't hear it. That's a <laughs> that's a grim thought. That's a grim thought. Well, anyways, Felicia goes. I think I have enough information. I think I know who this person was apparently i think the girlfriend who was in this car accident was a teacher at like a local high school she was kind of able to piece this local story together and so she began when she was working overnight in the convenience shop she would begin talking out loud as she's walking around the convenience shop saying when she was alone (laughs) she wouldn't do this when customers are in there they're like uh one star review on yelp Please, they're inventing Yelp so they can leave a one-star review. She'd walk around and she'd be like, hey, um, your girlfriend, she's alive. She made it out of the car accident. I know that you spent your last moments trying to save her, but don't worry. She is still alive. You can move on. You don't have to be trapped here anymore. And Felicia's mom began doing that too. When she was working by herself, she'd kind of walk around and be like, it's okay, everything's fine. She survived the car accident. She got out of the seatbelt. You don't need to be here. You did what you needed to do. Technically really saved her life, right? Had he not come in, they wanted to call 911 anyways. Depending on how close the car accident was to the convenience store. But I mean, you know, a matter of moments and these type of things. And Felicia said we continued to do that for a while when we were working We would just talk to him and say, it's okay, he can leave. Eventually, the activity at the convenience store stopped. No more cold spots, no more pokes. And the bagel knife could always be found where the last person left it. It's a fascinating ghost story, and really it's a traditional ghost story. The idea of somebody sticking behind because of an unfinished goal. And what's interesting, too, is if you really break it down, sometimes I find these cool stories and I tell them, and as I'm talking about them, these things pop in my head that can really, we can extrapolate out for like 20 minutes, and that's not what I'm able to do, unfortunately. Uh, I try to keep the podcast at a certain time limit, but... Very classic ghost story. A person is stuck behind because of an unfinished goal. But, again, we don't know how close the car accident was to the convenience store. Let's say, I figure, see, the reason why I keep bringing that up is I figure it was not close enough that that Bill working the convenience store heard it. Because if he heard the car accident, then, you know, not, he would have been calling the authorities and all that stuff. So let's say maybe three blocks away, right? Let's say maybe four or five hundred yards. So close enough that a guy with a damaged esophagus could get to the convenience store, but far enough that it's not necessarily good. It's not like a raging fireball outside the convenience store. But let's settle with about 500 yards away, not super far. What I find weird about this story, other than, you know, just the basic ghost lore that we have here, is what we have, 
is the limited knowledge of the dead. And this is super important when we look at things, how people are consulting the dead, like Ouija boards or psychics, communicating mediums, all that stuff. Because this ghost, we, we didn't give him a name. We'll go ahead and call him Tony. This ghost, Tony, this young man who died in this convenience store, he didn't know what was going on outside that store. He died there, and 500 yards away, his girlfriend is rescued, cut free, taken to the hospital, and then in that same town lived her life. Probably attended his funeral, was probably near his body at some point. Funeral home, funeral ceremony, or whatever, I think they just call it funeral around his family members in the area, his friends in the area, his psychic connections to the area, the girlfriend would have still been part of that. Tony had no idea she was still alive all this time later. We don't know exactly, so she says this happened shortly before she started working. This is a story that, just as a standard ghost story, we do have enough information to enjoy it, as much as we can enjoy the story of a man whose esophagus is crushed. But just as a classic ghost story, it works. I think sometimes Dead Rabbit Radio, we really like to dig into it. So I like some more details. How long did she work there? How long did the phenomenon happen? How long did this happen before she started working there? It would give us a timeline. But let's just, for estimate's sake, a year and a half from the time that he died to the time that he left. And I'm just kind of pulling that number out. She couldn't have been working illegally for that long, okay? She had... To, I'm assuming, that she's still not working there. I'm assuming this didn't go on. A year and a half that he was dead and had no knowledge of the world outside the convenience store. Nothing. He might have been able to look at a newspaper. <laughs> Newspapers all floating around. He's like, oh, the funny pages. This will cheer me up. This will take my mind off of my crushed esophagus. Uh, Charlie Brown... He probably could scan the newspapers. He could probably overhear what people were saying. But people in the convenience store are mostly talking about the weather. He can see that by looking out a window. He wants to know if his girlfriend's still alive. In fact, he was so sure that she wasn't that he was still taking that bagel knife to save her. And you could call this... There's different type of hauntings. One of them is a like a recorded haunting or a residual haunting. That's a traumatic event that is recorded into the landscape. That plays out over and over again. This could, you could classify this kind of a, as that. Because the bagel knife keeps disappearing. A tragic event happened while he, but remember he didn't have the bagel knife. He wasn't given the bagel knife. He died before he got the bagel knife. And the fact that eventually the phenomenon ended after the intervention of Felicity or Felicia, I keep forgetting what name I gave her, and the mom. I assume that this was his actual soul trapped here. And what I'm trying to get at is imagine this is worse than what we could have thought of when we thought about ghosts. Like that episode I did as to how does time, how chaotic is time to a ghost? That was bad enough. Imagine that if you die, you will die, but if you die and become a ghost, 
and because it doesn't happen to everyone, you're a ghost. You are limited to the knowledge in that room or house or forest or church or wherever you're haunting. You have no knowledge of anything else going on in the outside world. That is is a hundred times worse. It could just be because I'm an information junkie and I start and end my day by reading news, not books, not novels, not literature, but just articles. Not even knowing that you didn't have to stay behind, that the problem had been solved. You have limited knowledge. You know, growth is part of the human condition. Learning is what makes us us. Who you are today is because of the lessons you learned previously. The idea of of not learning after death, the idea of not experiencing, like as a ghost, you would hope that it was reversed, that you could be like, ah, yes, now I'll read every book ever written. You you know, you're just going to hang out, watch some kids YouTube, you're flying around your shoulder, you're like, put on Pawn Stars, I want to watch top five Pawn Star deals. You're an old man ghost. I watch Pawn Stars on YouTube. But eventually you'll get to the books. You figure maybe I can broaden my horizons. No, it's the opposite. You're stuck in a location, which is what... See, here's the thing. I always knew ghosts would be stuck in a location, but I figured they would have some sort of awareness outside of that location. And the reason why I figured that is really two reasons. One, when ghost hunters show up to these locations that have been haunted for 100 years, the first thing the ghosts don't say is why are you wearing such funny clothes why is there a picture of a pickle on your shirt also what's a shirt like none of this makes sense screen printing pickles they don't know what this stuff is they've been in that house for 200 years 100 years whatever the other reason why i would assume ghosts would have a standard level of knowledge really i mean more than standard they would be connected to some sort of ethereal Network is because psychics and mediums are always talking to them. Showing them where, you know, saying, hey, uh, this ghost told me where this dead body was buried. Let's go, cops. Let's go out there. And the cops are like, we got nothing better to do. (laughs) There's a bunch of rioting. There's a bunch of car accidents, crushed esophaguses along the side of the road. But the cops are going to go follow the psychic out to the side of a lake to find this body. And they're like, a ghost told me this. The ghost told me this, or you have mediums saying, you know, connecting to ghosts, being able to solve things. Ouija boards. Most people assume, rightfully, that you're connecting with a demon, while others are like, no, you're connecting with the spirits of the dead. But where are those spirits? Is it easier to connect to a spirit in the afterlife than it is for a spirit trapped in a terrestrial convenience store? Like, you could be sitting outside that convenience store with that Ouija board and talk to Aunt Maud, who died in 1888. I think it's demons, but let's just say that you used the Ouija board to talk to Aunt Maud back in 1888, but you can't talk to Tony inside the convenience store. You're actually too far. Like, when I say too far, the doors are closed. You're outside. But if you took that same Ouija board into the convenience store, you could then communicate with both Tony and Aunt Maud. Theoretically. Theoretically. That's far more terrifying, I think, to me. I understand 
when a house is haunted, that ghost, the idea that that ghost is trapped there, it's stuck there somehow. I get that. I get it not being able to physically or its soul not being able to leave that location. It's tied to that location. And a lot of times I think it wants to be there. The tragic ones where the ghosts are trapped, those happen too. But sometimes it's this is the house they grew up in. They've had three generations of kids in there. This is the house they love the most there here. Sometimes murder victims and things like that will haunt locations. I think a lot of those are residual hauntings. I don't think the soul of the actual murder victim is trapped in that house. But even the ghost that is haunting the house, I would assume that Alexander Hamilton's ghost or Abraham Lincoln's ghost knows what's going on in Australia right now. I'm not saying that he would know everything. I mean, he does have that giant hole in his head. Probably hurts his memory a little bit. But I'm not saying that he would know everything, but he should know what normal people know. He should be able to read the newspaper or glean new knowledge from sources outside of the Lincoln bedroom. I mean, to be fair, they probably have more information than the rest of us if you're walking around the White House, but you know what I mean. And this story says that Just a couple hundred yards away, his girlfriend survived. She went on with her life, and he was still trapped in that convenience store because he thought she was dead or going to die. Like, he was reliving that night. And I do think that this was not just a residual haunting. I think there was some sort of... Because the kicking and the poking is a conscious desire of a ghost. Residual hauntings tend not to do that. They just tend to have a a theater, a play that goes on over and over again. And you can see the ghost walking down the staircase. That's a residual haunting. When it begins interacting with the physical world, grabbing knives for one, that's when we classify it as a ghost. A ghost is what we know. So a crazy story. Like again, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a simple 10 minute ghost story. And I kind of went off a bit there. Um, but I, when I was talking about it, I go, that's insane that he does not know what's happening just a couple hundred yards outside that gas station or convenience store. And even if it was miles down the road or, or you know, you figure a ghost, that's nothing to a ghost, right? You're floating. you got Casper legs. You don't even have to worry about getting legs cramps. And if it was right outside the convenience store, that's even more tragic. If it did happen right in the parking lot or 50 feet away from the convenience store and Bill, the owner's son, saw it and was already getting ready to call the authorities as this man was running in. I mean, he could he could have turned, his ghost could have looked and saw the rescue effort taking place, but still all knowledge was limited to within this convenience store. Creepy story. I gotta be honest with you guys, I almost feel like I'm either losing my touch or this show is evolving into something else, something bigger, something really cool. Because I have this used to be really rare where I wouldn't have to break up episodes, but that's exactly what we're gonna have to do here. I don't have enough time to tell the other story. I already knew it was gonna be a long story. So we're gonna have Stay Strapped back because I make sure that every Patreon supporter gets to fly in that carpenter copter. But I'm not going to leave you guys just yet, because the next story... This was so fascinating, and I'm just going to spend a little bit of time talking about this, and then we'll wrap it up. The story that we're going to do tomorrow is a Bigfoot story. It's been a long time since we've done Bigfoot stories. 
Because a lot of Bigfoot stories are just the sighting. And every so often I find a story that's a little more exciting about that, but it's like the they they saved the family of beavers or something like that or they gave a a hunter acorns and that doesn't appeal to me either that's too nice the beavers are cool acorns are cool fine but it's not a good narrative so every so often i come across these bigfoot stories that are very dynamic which is <laughs> jason goat for violence you're like oh somebody's going to die but i wanted to say this i pride myself i'm gonna pat myself on the back for this that i really try to remain open-minded on a lot of stuff and i feel uh good about that not so open-minded you believe everything but i this one i thought was really cool and i never talked about this on the podcast when i went to that george nori event a couple months back it was so awesome george nori on stage, Coast to Coast AM, and he interviewed uh, Mr. Moon or Dr. Star, Dr. Sky. It's this astronomer he has on all the time. He interviewed uh, Travis Walton, the guy who did uh, Fire in the Sky, the guy who got abducted by the aliens. He interviewed uh, somebody else. I don't remember who it was. But then, maybe it was just... the. Anyways, the, the one I'm going to talk about right now is... Matt Moneymaker, who I had never really heard of before. I'm sure like I had seen his name in an article here or there, but Matt Moneymaker, I hope I'm getting his name right. He's a reality, that's actually probably underselling him. He's a Bigfoot researcher. He was doing Bigfoot research for decades before he ended up getting this reality show, I think on Animal Planet or the Learning Channel, um, called Finding Bigfoot. Let me double check that all. (laughs) Let me double check that all that information is correct. Yes, Matt Moneymaker, been researching Bigfoot since the 1980s, was on the television show Finding Bigfoot, founder of the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. And here's the thing, never met this guy before, never um, seen any of his stuff before. Longtime listeners of Dead Rabbit Radio will know that I subscribe to the idea. I was never a big Bigfoot fan in California. No one ever talked about it. When I moved up to Oregon, it's like the thing. You see Bigfoot stickers and shirts and all that everywhere. It's a big part of the culture up here. So I started looking more into it. And most of the Bigfoot stories we've covered on the show, I'll try to put a couple in the show notes, have been about my theory. And I'm not the only one who subscribes to this, but it's the idea that Bigfoot is interdimensional because we have stories of them coming in and out of portals we have stories of bigfoots in ufos hanging out with gray aliens we have stories of humans apparently turning into bigfoots sasquatches would probably be a better term for the plural but we have all of this stuff. We have Bigfoots wearing human clothes and they're all tattered. So, you know, like, was it a human who shapeshifted? The mystical side of Bigfoot has always been one that I subscribe to because I said that would explain for a lot of things why we can't find their dead bodies, why we can't find them even living, why we don't find all of this evidence that we find of other animals that are alive, deers and muskrats and cougars and it would also explain why they're able to retain their size and be so big because they're probably eating they're eating five course meals in this other dimension or aboard a ufo and then they come to earth and they look like they're gentle berry eating 
creatures, um, but where are all the berries? How's the ecosystem able to sustain all of these guys? These are all been questions that I've asked over the last couple years. It's only been probably about 10 years I've been a big Bigfoot guy. And because I'm a paranormal dude, right? Because I have a lifelong passion for the paranormal specifically, multidimensional things, ghosts, demons, aliens. I came at the Bigfoot phenomenon through that lens. So this was super interesting. And this is where I remember I was sitting in the audience and I go, this is why I love studying the paranormal. And this is why it is very important. You can pat yourself on the back too, to never be too married to any idea. Even when I say, I think I made a couple comments. I think the Ouija boards are contacting demons. I think the Ouija boards are probably contacting demons. I think that if someone could provide evidence, not even evidence, I'm not talking about that. If someone could provide theories as to why that's wrong, if someone could give me, go, no, 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 that's, you're not actually contacting demons and here's why and these are things, these are reasonable explanations as to, yeah, demons exist, but the Ouija board is contacting spirits. It's contacting something else other than demons. I'd be more than willing to hear that and I'd be really curious if it changed my mind because what was so interesting was Matt Moneymaker and one or two sentences made me really rethink my personal views on the Bigfoot phenomenon. And that's important in this. That's important when you're into the paranormal is to be open-minded, is to be open-minded to this stuff. Because I've been like, oh, no, they have to be interdimensional. It would explain so many things. This is so fascinating. So Matt Moneymaker, he opened it up at the end of his presentation for questions. And I don't want to misquote him. I don't want to completely misquote him. But... So I'll try, I'll try to put it as best as I can. Uh, the, someone asked the question at the end of this, what do you think about the interdimensional hypothesis of Bigfoot? And Matt Moneymaker said, I've thought about that. I've actually looked into that. I've done research on that. And again, I try not to misquote him. He goes, while I can see the benefits of that, what I find very interesting about the phenomenon the bigfoot phenomenon is that we almost exclusively see them there may be a little bit here a little bit there but mostly exclusively see them in america central asia and northern asia and he goes that's what a biological species migration pattern would look like if they started off somewhere in central asia they would spread out in that same pattern because we've seen other animals do that we've seen humans do that he goes they're not in africa you don't have a ton in, you could say well it's so hot down there they're so hairy well, see even that he goes this was his thing he goes if they were multi-dimensional they should be everywhere they should be everywhere because what does it matter? They're popping in and out of different dimensions. You may have a report of a hairy man sighting in England or a hairy man sighting in South America. Stories pop up over the years because things are going to migrate past their normal patterns. But for the most part, you see the sightings in America, Northern Asia and Central Asia. And if here's the thing, if those, if that's wrong, that was my mistake. I'm misquoting him, but 
if you go, no, 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 it's actually in this other part of Europe that they're originally from, then don't blame him, blame me. But what I'm saying is that when he was saying that, and he said, he goes, if it was a biological creature, it'll follow the migration patterns that we know biological creatures will follow, because we've seen it happen. We've seen the history of that over millions of years. We can look at an animal that's in North America and go, oh, it came over the ice bridge, the Bering Strait. We don't see animals that are originally originated deep within Africa in the Pacific Northwest. And without human intervention, things were not migrating from Britain to Oregon. Land animals. Land animals. So again, if you have any qualms with this argument, don't go, what? He's an idiot. No, I... I'm misstating it, but when he said that, that really opened my mind. Like, I still am a huge fan of the interdimensional theory, but I'm willing to give a lot... And it's not like I thought people were dumb if they believed in the biological one. It just, to me, it didn't seem to make sense. But this professional Bigfoot researcher, he's a pro. He said that, and I thought, that makes so much sense. It really does. Because we don't see them all over the world. We see aliens all over the world. We see UFO encounters all over the world. There's this really weird... Put I don't want to go on for too long. I feel like I'm going to start ranting again. But in the past month or two, there's been this really weird push I've seen all over the internet talking about why do only Americans see aliens. I don't know if any of you guys saw that. I saw it all over Reddit and really other places as well. How come is it, how come is it that only Americans see aliens? And that's hundred percent not true. We've covered so many international alien stories, UFO stories on this podcast alone. Eastern Europe, pound for pound, I believe has had more UFO sightings than America. We just didn't know about them because the Iron Curtain was up. If you go back and look at sightings. In the 1990s, they absolutely exploded in Eastern Europe. And I don't think it's because there were more UFOs. I think it was because people felt more comfortable talking about it. They're all over the world. Humans are having interactions with aliens all over the world. There's been this weird psyop recently to say, how come it's only Americans? How come it's only Americans? It's not. Why did I get off on that subject? I don't know. But, oh, oh, if Bigfoots were interdimensional, they would be in the middle of Africa. You would see them at Antarctic ice research stations. You would see them walking around parts of Britain. And I know, and even like, so Australia has like the Yowie. They have their version of the Sasquatch. But that's still within, if it, you know, could get over a, that my it's still close enough to be part of that migration pattern. I mean, okay, the theory's not perfect. And I, hopefully I'm not misquoting him. The point of the story is, is that that is true. Or seems to be true. that The Bigfoot phenomenon, the Sasquatch phenomenon, does seem to be matching, if it was a biological creature, where they could actually get to. Those parts of the world. Which blew my mind. Which blew my mind. And that's really a kind of a lead. And I did the, I'm did. i actually glad I did this today so I don't... So I have more time to tell the story tomorrow. It's really what happens when mankind and Bigfoot meet. And I'm not talking about, like, some hunters in the woods running across some big smelly creature eating a deer carcass. Like, it's we're past that. As we continue to, I'm not a big climate change environmentalist guy, but as we continue to chop down trees and put up cities, we're encroaching on these beings, on these creatures, these entities, land. 
And it's one thing if you're doing it to like a deer. It's one thing if you're doing it to a couple hedgehogs. I mean, it's still probably not the best practice. It's kind of mean, but I understand humans need a place to live. But when you're doing it to an eight foot tall creature built of pure muscle, what do you think is going to happen when someone brings their RV and parks it right next to the hunting grounds of the mighty Bigfoot? What do you think is going to happen? But we'll save that for tomorrow. Stay strapped. Keep your guns. Because we're going to need them. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today.